just want to say before we start polar opposites here today just our thoughts go out to the university of nevada las vegas or better known as unlv the people that passed away during the school shooting that happened just a few days ago polar opposites the outrage inc cajun myself spencer and alain all have our thoughts and our uh, remembrance to those people and anyone affected by the shooting that happened down in Las Vegas. Just wanted to give a quick blurb before we start the uh, Thursday technically edition of uh, Polar Opposites. Thank you. It's that time. Everything and anything basketball presented by The Outrage. With Cajun Thierry Castle and host Spencer Byers. This is Polar Opposites. And welcome, everyone. Thursday edition, coming out, I think, Friday morning-ish of Polar Opposites. Spencer Byers, Cajun Theru, Thanny Castellum. And Cage, if you want to give your, uh, if you want to say something about UNLV, here's your I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just heartbreaking. Just seeing this continue to happen in the States. And my heart goes out to the people, the people at UNLV, to the people that died, their families, and to just anyone who had to deal with being in the area when that happened. A lot of people are will are and will be traumatized by this for the rest of their lives and going to an educational institution like you shouldn't like this shouldn't be the normal to deal with mass shootings fortunately in the states that's the case and you hit it on the nail spence like is senseless. My heart goes out to the people, to everybody that was affected by this. I couldn't agree more and echo more what you said, Cage. That's why I want to start off the show like that. Just so we acknowledge it, we know what happened. We are thinking about those out in Nevada that have been affected, those around the country, those around, say, the world that have been affected by it, if any of their loved ones are out abroad. Um, that have now been affected by the the three people that have passed away due to the shooting at UNLV, better known as the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. But not to, again, we talked about it a couple of times on the show, Cape Dolling on the negative, as much as it needs to be mentioned and talked about, we're not mm. going to focus on those poor lives that were lost. We're going to move on to an actual really positive story. And it yeah. wasn't actually found out until halfway through I believe, Cage, it was the Knicks quarterfinal where they lost to the Bucks. I went 0 for 4, by the way, before we move, before we continue with Mitchell Robinson. I went 0 for 4 in the uh, in the uh, in-season tournament, so I couldn't have gone worse. You went two for two, obviously, as you picked the two the two east. You picked the Eastern final. I picked the um. I oh, I picked neither. So you're I got a little the better West than you, but not by much. Got the West completely wrong, but then again, we both picked the same team. Um, yeah, 
I was dead on with the East. Uh, also, go Pacers. Go Pacers. I agree with you as much as they beat the Celtics. Go Pacers, as they are now through to the final, as well as the Los Angeles Lakers are through to the final after crushing the poor New Orleans Pelicans. But we'll get into the play-in, uh, the in-season tournament here in a sec. But before we move into that, back to Mitchell Robinson. During the quarterfinal between the Bucks and the Knicks, um, a story got brought up, and it was his high school coach, Butch Stockton, who is now staying in New York with Mitchell Robinson. Again, this was his high school basketball coach for the season after his wife passed away. So Butch's wife was in the hospital for an extended period of time. I want to say it was a year, but without knowing the exact number, it was an extended period of time. Mitchell Robinson went every day, went as a rounder, was, got really close to Miss Stockton and Mr. Stockton, and now after she's gone, Mitchell said, you know, hey, there's nothing for you in Louisiana where they were, I'll say where they live, where they were from. He said, come to me, come to me in New York, you know, and I'll say, basically enjoy living again, you know, and, and that's what's happened. So, you know, coach stock Stockton's now with his former protege, his former, you know, his former athlete, Mitchell Robinson. And what a heartwarming story that only that, you know, Mitchell hung out with, you know, Miss Robin or Miss Stockton, pardon me, and 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 you know, got close with both, both his former coach and his his now late wife. You know, now to to bring you know Butch in and and I don't really know how else to uh, to articulate it other than by just saying you know saying hey coach you know you did so much for me let me you know help you. You know, it is such such a nice story, and I came across it. I want to say it was yesterday, during going through my Instagram reels, which I think I think I'm better than y'all who go on TikTok. I know I am an elitist, in some respects. So you know, it, it's such a such a nice story, Cage, and it's something that I really hope gets more attention than I feel feel like it's getting, because it mm-hmm. is such a great story. And again, big ups obviously Mitchell Robinson for doing this because he didn't have to. But he's choosing to. And that's the best part. It warmed my it warmed my heart and put a smile to my face when I saw the story. It warmed that cold Grinch heart, eh, Cage? I've never had a cold Grinch heart though. But that's beside the point. Um it says that Mitchell Robinson visited Dawn Robinson every day when she was in the hospital. And uh, Dawn and Butch Stockton were, were Stockton were together for 31 years. Um, so losing your partner and your loved one like that, like in any sort of circumstance, like after spending life for as long as they did can be hard on a person and credit Mitchell Robinson he he really formed a connection with his high school coach and his wife um and lent out an olive branch a lot of a lot of athletes a lot of former players don't do that and And when I saw the story, I'm like, finally, a welcome change. 
Because all we hear is negative stories, but something heartwarming, something positive. Finally. And according to what Butch Stockton said, because this was like during like a sideline interview, um, Mitchell Robinson proposed this idea to Butch, Butch Stockton at his wife's funeral. Um, he coached the next big man at Chalmette High School in Louisiana. And but Stockton told report the silent report that Robinson told him, Coach, no reason to stay down here in Louisiana. You come to New York with me and enjoy yourself and get your mind back straight because you know how much you left your loved your wife. And he's and he mentioned after that, it's just been a great situation. And Robinson told reporters after the game that Stockton's a great guy and like he helped him get to where I at, where he's at. And he said his coach will be living with him for the rest of the year. And um, man, I, I I'm lost for words. I'm lost for words, Spence, because. It's rare somebody has as big of a heart as Mitchell Robinson does to do to do what he just did, to do what he's doing right now. And there's and there's stories like this. I'm like, maybe there's maybe hope in humanity. Maybe. Maybe, but again, just what what an action, what a decision by Mitchell Robinson, and it's one of those things where it. I hate that it needs to be broadcasted because sometimes you try to just do something nice for somebody and you don't think about it as like, I'm doing a good deed. And I know Mitchell Robinson's not doing this because he wants the publicity. Obviously, I would never accuse, I'll say accuse him of that. that. But sometimes Mm. it is nice to hear about these types of stories because, you know, A, it shows you something about Mitchell Robinson, shows you the character he's got, shows you what kind of person he is. You know, it shows you all of the things you want to know about a kid, about a guy, you know, as an athlete or as a human being, you know? Exactly. Same thing with giving to charity and, and all the other great things you can do, you know, as as an athlete or as a, as a person in, in the media eye, if you will, you know, mm-hmm. and that's the best part is Mitch Robinson didn't do this for publicity. You know, we're what, three months into the year now and no one knew it's just coming out now over the last week because that this happened. Because the court finally spoke out about it. Yeah. Like this is not something that like just happened, right? You know, it's not like a couple weeks after it's happened. This has been a thing, and now he's getting credit for it, and that's what I love about it. This is that's what I would say my favorite part about this is is that it's already happened and it's been happening, and now he's getting credit for it. You know, I'll say long after his decision was made. It's not like a week after it happened, and now it's going to be circled through the media for the next you know five months about you know. The coach is still staying with them, whatever, you know, trying to like keep tabs on it. Right. Mm. You see, if it really is a publicity stunt, you can tell it's not like it's just instant. Like he's been there for like the last 
God knows these last couple months probably in New York, you know, hanging out with Mitchell Robinson and what have you. So, you know, we just want to start off the show with a positive because, again, we talk, we've, we've talked about on this show that the, the mass majority of media, especially mainstream media, as much as I hate that word too, to be honest with you, you know, they like to pound on the negative and why guys aren't performing well and what isn't going right. We want to talk about something and start off the show, especially after what happened at UNLV, <coughs> something that was very positive. And you can't get more positive than Mitch Robinson and his former head coach in high school. For real. And to some more positives, Cage, this time on the women's side of the bracket, as of college basketball, Kaylin Clark of the Iowa Hawkeyes, currently, if I am not mistaken, Cage, I quickly take a look at the AP poll, fourth in the nation are the Hawkeyes. Kaitlin Clark is the first player ever, D1, in men's or women's basketball to reach 3,000 career points, 750 career assists, and 750 career rebounds, and she's still got, what, like 20... 25 games left of her senior year. She still has games to extend this record and continue to pile up the accolades of, because at this point, Cage, you'd think with how many games left Iowa's got, they've only played nine this year. You play about 30 to 35 in a college season. She's going to hit easy 800 assists, easy 800 rebounds, I'm not sure if the points can get to 3,500, but it could. So could. who knows she how far well. she could, how far she could kind of push this record to now make the next girl or guy, in fairness, but more likely girl with the way college basketball for the men's pool is broken up with the best athletes only having to play one year and then you know going to the NBA. Yeah. So it'd be most likely a woman would break this record or reach this milestone again if it ever happens again. But again, it's just showing, Cage, how much better the women's game is getting. It really is. And to do what Caitlin Clark has done, 3K points, 750 rebounds, and 750 assists, and nobody else on the D1 side, men's or women's, have done it ever. That's remarkable in itself. And if she really wants to, she's eligible to come back next season. Although with her being projected as the number one draft pick, the sensible thing would just to be to, to declare for the draft. But I believe this the current era record holder is, I want to say, Kelsey Plum. Um, but it's not far-fetched to say she could pass Kelsey Plum with the way she's she's with the way her career has gone. She really she really has put Iowa on the map more than it, uh, a lot more. And the legend of Caitlin Clark is just going to continue to grow and. Man, if she can lead this Iowa team to like a national title, 
with competition just as heated now. South Carolina is still in the picture. LSU, UConn, UCLA. There's a lot of competition, stiff competition for the national title. If she, if she can not only break the the current era record for most points in a career in an NCAA career, but also lead Iowa to a national title. She's forever gonna live on in folk in folklore in women's basketball history, at least in women's NCAA basketball history. And that's and that's without saying that's without mentioning her future WNBA career. So she's only reaching her she's got a whole nother stratosphere to reach as scary as that sounds now okay i gotta be honest with you here it's really funny to hear you say iowa instead of iowa i know that's your canadian fair enough but but any but anyway i will mention now caitlin clark from a quick count i got she's about 14th right now on the list for most points ever, she's one of, I think, 15 players to ever hit 3,000 points. She's the only active player on the list that has the chance to reach it. You mentioned Kelsey Plum right now is the leader all-time in points total. She had mm. 3,527 points in her college career at Washington. In her four years, she averaged 25.4 points per game in her time with the Huskies. Caitlin Clark, who has played at this point in her NCAA career, 29 less games than Kelsey Plum. She played 110. Kelsey Plum ended at 139. Caitlin Clark is averaging 27.4 points per game, two points more than Kelsey Plum did in college. So you would expect that Caitlin Clark will probably break it, if not get damn close, Kitch. She would, I would say it gets to 3,500, which is basically 500 points away. But again, it's really hard to predict those type of things. But mm. it's it's just, again, it will add to the legacy, it will add to the, the mystique of Caitlin Clark, the closer, the higher she climbs on the list. Because looking at some of these names, Cage, of of former players who have had 3,000 points in the college game, Del Don from Delaware, at, at Delaware, had 3,000 points. Elena. Brittany Griner, fourth on the list. Kelsey Plum, first on the list. Kelsey Mitchell, second on the list. Current Fe- Indiana Fever, who was averaging, mm-hmm. who averaged had 18 points per game. I'll say last season, I believe, but in her in her last season it, with the Fever, you know, there's a lot of really talented players that are above her right now, and Caitlin Clark's going to surpass all of them. You'd think, just about. Kelsey Plum's probably the only one you'd think she might not be able to catch right now but mm. she still has that chance she is very a very good chance i'd even say to be able to be the all-time leader in points total 
as you mentioned, mm-hmm. she, in all honesty, will probably also be the first overall pick. Mm-hmm. When her, when she eventually, I'll say eventually declares, when she does declare for the NBA draft. Yeah. Like, the legend of Caitlin Clark is going to continue to grow as, like, as if it hasn't right now. And now we will move on from Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes, who um, haven't actually played too recently. They were able to win, uh, was that, is that Wednesday? They, they won just a couple nights ago. Wednesday night, they were able to get a win over their in-state rival, Iowa State, over the Cyclones. Caitlin Clark had the 35, which includes her points to get over 3,000. No ranked teams have lost since we were last here. That I have seen so at least on the women's bracket the men's bracket cage though continues to have some shakeups we will we will get to the the in-season tournament that happened to us just a couple hours literally two hours ago did it finish but some other big upsets going around the NCAA since we last spoke the Illini Illinois upset FAU Florida Atlantic University get their second loss of the year 98-89 win for the Illinois school. You've also got Wisconsin. We talked about having to play Michigan State in their upcoming game. They beat Michigan State 70-57, giving the Spartans their fourth loss of the season. Again, the Spartans were a preseason number three team in the nation, and now they're unranked with four losses. And, I, and I'm not going to say, and they lost their opening night to James Madison, but I will will preface, I will fix my mistake. They're not third. They were fourth preseason team in the nation before their loss to James Madison, who are now in the top 25, are are the uh, the very low D1 school. Mm. But it's going to be interesting to see if Izzo's men ever get re-ranked, the Spartans, or if they stay unranked and maybe were miscategorized going into the year. SDSU, San Diego State University, lose their first game after being ranked in the top 25 at 25th to Grand Canyon, 79-73. And then the big one, Tuesday night, the Yukon Huskies beat the North Carolina Tar Heels, 87-76, that being at MSG. And then Wednesday night, Marquette, Blow out the Longhorns. The number eight Golden Eagles beat Texas 86-65. That was eight versus 12. And that is a, what, 19-point win. Nope, lie, 21-point win. A minus two, not plus two, for the Golden Eagles and Shaka Smart against his former club in the Texas Longhorns. So another big win. Yeah, apparently he did. And again, I'm not a big fan of Shaka Smart. It's kind of proven me wrong this year with those Golden Eagles in Marquette with how good they've been in recent weeks, especially against ranked opponents. Mm. And I will mention after the 6th of December, which was Wednesday, recording this technically Thursday night slash Friday morning, depending on what side of the fence you're on, um, the next ranked games aren't till Saturday when the Illini take on Tennessee Purdue take on Alabama here in Canada. Zach E. his homecoming. Wisconsin play number one Arizona. 
another massive game, and that one is in Tucson. So a lot of big games still to come. That's on Saturday. So do stay tuned for some more great men's college basketball. Well, Just Wisconsin's taking, a, taking on Arizona. Yeah, in Arizona. That's going to be a real tough game there for the uh, Badgers. And then Clemson taking on TCU, Emmanuel Miller making his return as well in Toronto. And I, and I will mention also, Cage, on the women's side, Not it won't be Saturday this week. It'll be Sunday night. Sunday, Sunday, but Sunday night as well. UCLA number two in the nation take on number 20, Florida State. Number 25, Penn State take on their Big Ten rivals, Ohio State 25 versus 12. Penn State 25, Ohio State 12, UCLA <laughs> 2, Florida State 20. Both those are midday. Then at 2.30, the Gamecocks of South Carolina take on Utah. That's number one versus number 11. And then you've got the UConn Huskies continuing their rather tough out-of-conference schedule. They take on the North Carolina Tar Heels, number 17 UConn versus number 24 North Carolina. And that will be the last ranked-on-ranked game Sunday, December 10th. So again, some a lot of really big games going on in the NCAA this coming weekend. So if you're not working afternoons like me and want to have a chance to watch any of those great games, I would highly recommend to... If you haven't watched any college basketball recently, or if you're not a big fan of basketball, but you want to start, you know, dabbling in it, college ball is where you start. And there's some great games going on this weekend if you want to start watching. But anyway. But anyway, we will now move on to the in-season tourney. The Indiana Pacers booked their spot in the final, winning 128-119 over the Milwaukee Bucks. Tyrese Halliburton had 27 points, 7 rebounds, and 15 assists in the win over the Bucks, and had a little bit of uh, a little bit of fun with Damian Lillard doing the Dame Time celebration after the Pacers upset the Bucks cage. I will start with the Halliburton taunt, if you will, depending on, again, depending on who you are, will depend on how you see it, if it's just a mocking or if it's a taunt or if it's just Halliburton having some personality. Where do you sit on that spectrum cage of Halliburton's, I'll say taunt, of the Dame Time celebration? I'm all for it. Like, it's all in fun and celebration, and the way he's been playing, he's earned the right to trash talk he's on the right to celebrate like he's balling and you forgot to mention this Spence and this is a big stat because it speaks to how great he is as a point guard and how much of a exceptional game manager he is his past two games he had 13 assists against Boston he had 15 assists and the semis against Milwaukee 28 assists, no turnovers. You realize how rare that is to not turn the ball over and have that many assists and handle the ball as much as he does and shoot efficiently at the same time, too? Like, we've got a lot of great point guards in the NBA. But I don't know. Like, you could argue... He might be the best. He might he might be playing like the best point guard in the NBA. I know that might be a hot take, but the way he's led this Pacers team, the way he's been the driving force of this Pacers team, and this Pacers team is playing for each other. 
they've been playing for each other all season and they got a ton of incentive to play for in this for this in-season tournament because they want one they want respect and one and the second part given that there's a lot of like guys who are on prove-it deals and rookie deals that money coming from the in-season tournament is going to be pretty nice for them but Indiana showing on the national stage and Tyrese Halliburton and Miles Turner, who's been like the mainstay of that Pacers team going back from the PG days and the Sabonis days. They're proving that they're going to be one tough team to beat come playoff time. And that they're and that um you gotta put some respect on their name. Now, in terms of like the Lillard taunt or whatever you want to call it. Lillard didn't even have a problem with it, too. It's like, hey, like he said, if you can dish it, you you got to expect to take it. Now, the humble part is, like, you got to be careful, like, when, when like, um, because I thought it was just, like, he was telling him to be humble. But no, it was just pretty much the media just baiting. And basically, Lillard saying that, like, you gotta stay calm. You gotta stay. You gotta stay humble. Like in terms of in terms of in general, because like life can come at you fast. And he was talking based off of experience, so I don't really see that as a ton. I don't think even Lillard had a problem with it. It's all in the front of games and gamesmanship. And at, and at the end of the day, and at the end of the day, during that game, Halliburton had the last laugh. Now, Cage, I don't want to undersell Tyrese Halliburton now. So now I'm going to piggyback off what you said. The Pacers have played 17 games this season. They will play 18 games, and the finals of the in-season tournament will not be included in the 82-game season the NBA requires. So they'll technically play an 83-game schedule, will the Indiana Pacers. So we'll see what Halliburton's stats look like with that extra game or how they include those stats, if they even do, for that 83rd game, quote-unquote, because it won't count to the schedule. Mm -hmm. But I will say, again, picking back off what you said, in the 17 games Tyree Halliburton has played, five of those games he's had less than 10 assists, less than double digits, five out of 17. He's averaging 11.9 assists per game, the most in the NBA. One of two players to average over double-digit assists. The other guy is Trey Young, who's averaging 10.6 assists this season. Nikola Jokic just outside at 9.8 assists per game. But again, Halliburton well above both of them at almost 12 a game. He's also averaging 29.5 points per game on, as you mentioned, rather efficient shooting. He's shooting 52% from the field. 44% 44% from three, if not 44, 44.7, so basically 45% from three. His three throw percentage is 88%, so close to that 50, 40, 90 club is Tyrese Halliburton. He's also averaging four rebounds a game, which is enough. You know, you don't need to be averaging a triple double, but four rebounds is nice from a guy who's six foot five, is Tyrese Halliburton. And I want to go back because some people may not remember, some people may forget. Tyrese Halliburton was not drafted by the Indiana Pacers. He was drafted 12th overall by the Sacramento Kings, when the Sacramento Kings were one of the worst-run organizations in basketball. 
He was traded to the Indiana Pacers with Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson, might I add, to Indiana from Sacramento for DeMontis Sabonis, Justin Holliday, Jeremy Lamb, and a 2023 second-round pick. Now, obviously, I would say Indiana won that trade because I think Tyrese Halliburton is a great player and could be a top 5 or 10 player in the league. He may already be, as you mentioned, Kate, but being the best point guard in the league right now. I think this But he easily played, could be. I think this season he's played like the best point guard in the in the NBA because it's one thing to lead the league in assists, but to do that without turning the ball over as much because Trey Young's got ten point six assists, but I wanna but I bet you he might have two over two turnovers. Tyrese does not turn. Tyrese Halliburton does not turn over the ball as often as evidenced by those last two games in which 28 assists, no turnovers. Halliburton averages 2.4 turnovers per game at his almost 12 assists per game. Trey Young averages 10.6 assists, turns the ball over 3.8 times a game. So almost four turnovers a game for for Trey Young. So almost. Not double turnovers, but about a one and a half extra turnovers. So a half extra. So times a half, basically. Mm-hmm. I guess one and a half times technically, but regardless of the the mathematical equation. But I want to mention that even with Sacramento giving up, you'd you'd say the best player in the trade at this point in Halliburton. Sacramento doesn't even lose the trade they where they lose Halliburton because DeMontis Sabonis is a really good player. He's just not it's, it's, Tyrese Halliburton. It's, it's the rare win-win trade from, from both teams. Sacramento got the big that they needed to sort of catapult them to a different level, and Indiana got their point guard for the next at least 15 years. Their franchise player for the next 15 years. And I think this was like the best-case scenario for Tyrese Halliburton because he was good in Sacramento, but with De'Aaron Fox being there, he, his growth was going to be stunted. But now with Indiana, that's his team, and he's being unleashed, and look at the results. He's passing every single test that's been in front of him with flying colors. That, you are right. So again, Indiana into the final. They're playing, as I mentioned earlier, the Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James, and the Lakers won 133 to 89 over the New Orleans Pelicans earlier today slash yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this, or I guess I should just say Thursday. Yeah. On Thursday, and uh, that will mean the Lakers will face off against the Indiana Pacers in the final. And LeBron James led the way for the Lakers with 30 points, five rebounds, and eight assists. He had 30 points in 22 minutes of play. Did LeBron James? He shot 75% from the field, perfect from the three-point line, perfect from the free-throw line. So borderline perfection for King James. A lot of other guys in double digits. Anthony Davis had 16 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. Austin Reeves. Rui Hachimura. And I don't even want to pronounce Prince's first name, but... Torian Prince? I count. Torian Prince also had double digits in the win for Los Angeles in the in the end blowout of the New Orleans Pelicans. So Cage, dominant win for the Lakers. 
do you think that's a statement by the Lakers trying to say, hey, we're going to be, you know, we're gonna we're coming to win it. You know, we're not, we're not here to get second place kind of thing by the uh, former champs of during the bubble year. So former champs of what, two years ago? It's safe to say that was a statement when that from the Lakers and that um we're not here for second. We're here for we're here to win it all because if that was the case, they'd be out a long time ago. They weren't taking it as seriously. They would have been out and they would have been they wouldn't have taken these games as seriously. Um but there's a different sort of vigor and focus. from the Lakers in these in-season tournament games. Um, obviously, there was a controversy between the Lakers and the Suns. Was a time, should a timeout have been called? Um, but besides the point, but besides the point there, they left no doubt in this one against the Pelicans. And New Orleans, New Orleans especially in that, New Orleans, especially in that third quarter, it was 43-17 to 17 for the Lakers. Just had no answer. And it wasn't just LeBron just hitting threes and all. He drew three charges in that game as well. Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, CJ McCollum, neither of them could really get anything going. I don't think anybody on the Pelicans really got anything going, save for maybe Trey Murphy the third at the end. But Lakers were stifling defensively and got everything that they wanted wanted offensively. And you put both of those together, you got a pretty good chance of blowing out a team. And, man, 30 points in 22 minutes on 12 shots. Perfect from the three-point line, perfect from the free-throw line. Hey man, he said it. He said it. He's he said it himself. He's trying to give Father Time one loss, and right now, LeBron's winning that battle against Father Time. And you nah. and and before 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 you get into it, um, I know there's a lot of detractors and naysayers of LeBron. I happen to be one of them, but. You got to enjoy these good. I ain't enough of a detractor or naysayer to discount his greatness. You got to enjoy his greatness while he's here. Because I don't think we're going to see something like this ever again. All I got to say, Cage, is we've, as we talked about last episode, you are a bona fide, certified, stamp the label on it, hater is Cajun Theory with Andy Castle. But I also want to mention before I completely move off of that trade between the Pacers and the Kings, that Halliburton goes to the Pacers, Sabonis goes to the Kings, a 2023 second-round pick went also to the Kings. That became Jordan Walsh, currently in the Boston Celtics. The draft pick that is that was obviously traded to the Celtics that they drafted or acquired the draft rights of Jordan Walsh. So thanks to the Indiana Pacers, Jordan Walsh, who hasn't played a lot for the Celtics, but is seen as a guy who could help the Celtics down the line, is on the team. So thank you, Indiana. Appreciate it. Appreciate the help. And obviously Sacramento for giving us the, basically, I'll say free draft pick, but 
whatever the actual draft trade, draft day trades end up looking like because they always seem to be kind of wishy-washy with the way they do draft day trades in the NBA, in my opinion. But regardless, with that, as you mentioned, Cage, the Pacers when I'll play the Lakers. Who do you got? Now, your final was the Indiana Pacers versus the Sacramento Kings it was with Bucks. Sacramento. It was it was the Bucks versus the Kings and the Sacramento winning oh, it. So I thought you had I thought you had Indiana making it to the final. But I know you had Sacramento winning. Mm. I obviously went 0 for 4, so my final doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Honest, honestly, like both of our championship picks got eliminated in the quarters, so we're on the same boat. Same day, same day. I was the Celtics, you were the Kings. Both get eliminated same day, same day. So, same. so Cage, who do you got? Pacers, Lakers, final on Saturday, December 9th. So technically tomorrow, if you're listening to this on the day we post this, who do you got? My heart's telling me the Pacers, but my brain's telling me the Lakers. I've learned not to discount the Pacers, especially after what they showed against the Bucks. But the Lakers right now are on a, are in a different mindset. And truth be told. I think this game is going to be closer than people think. I don't think the Lakers are going to run rough shot over the Pacers. But I do think they're going to win this in-season tournament championship. As much as I do want the Pacers to win, because that would be so sweet to see a young team like Indiana prove themselves on this on on this big of a stage and win it all, win the win the inaugural in-season tournament. And have Tyrese Halliburton lead the charge because it isn't just Halliburton too. Yeah, think about it. We only think of Halliburton as a big name there, but there's guys that are that are trying to prove it. Miles Turner being the mainstay from those earlier Pacers teams, and then you got Obi Toppin, who's sort of had a resurgence after a couple of rocky years in New York, playing behind Julius Randle. Then you got Benedict, Benedict Matherin. Got a buddy healed who moved into the starting lineup in his spot, and, it, and he's found something. You got Bruce Brown, who's always seemed to be a sw- take over that Swiss Army knife role for any team that he's on, whether it was Brooklyn, whether it was Denver when he won the NBA title with them, and now with Indi- now with this young Pacers team. But it isn't just those five. You got T.J. McConnell, McConnell, the ever so steady backup point guard. You got Andrew Nemard, another Canadian. Aaron Neesmith, a fourth, former Boston Celtic, who played some exceptional defense on Giannis during, for stretches of that game. Then you got Isaiah Jackson, who, who can spell backup center minutes. Jalen Smith played some good minutes, too, before he ended up getting hurt. Um, there's a lot of talent on that Pacers team. There's just there's just looking the quiet, the doubters, and the naysayers. But with that being said,
the Lakers right now are well over the machine on both ends of the floor. And Indiana's shown up defensively at times when they when people haven't really expected it. I just can't see them stopping the Lakers. And sorry, Reggie Miller, you're not gonna like this pace for Steven is not gonna get his revenge on this Lakers team and not get revenge on you from 2000. But I got the Lakers winning this one, but it's going to be closer than people think. Now, again, I am over four in the in-season tournament. So we'll see if I jinx the team I pick. But I'm going for the hungry team. I'm going for the young team. I'm going for arguably the best offense in the NBA currently. I'm going for the Rick Carlisle-led, Tyrese Halliburton-led Indiana Pacers to beat LeBron James and the Lakers. Now, I love the storyline of LeBron James, arguably the best player ever, getting his hands on the first ever in-season tournament trophy. I am for that storyline. I wouldn't be mad if that was the outcome. But I just got a feeling about these Pacers, man. I said that I love I love my Celtics. I want them to win. I expect them to win. They didn't. But I like the Pacers. I want them to win too. And if the Celtics can't win, I wouldn't mind seeing them win either. And I think the Pacers are going to be able to do it. It's a great defense in Los Angeles versus a great offense in Indiana. Normally, you always pick the defensive team to win. But I just think there's so much talent on that Indiana team, as you mentioned, Cage, with all the names you went down that it's going to be hard for the Lakers to stop them all, and one or two leaks are going to spring through, and somebody's going to take over. If it's Halliburton, if it's Turner, if it's Matherin, if it's Brown, if it's O.B. Toppin, my guy at a Dayton, somebody's going to have a good night on Indiana. You know he's going to have to have a good night on, on, on Buddy Heald. You know who has to have a good night on the Lakers if they want to win. You know who has to have a good night. Indiana's got seven, eight, nine guys who could have a good night. T.J. McConnell could have a good night. Andrew Nemhart could have a good night. You don't know who it's going to come from for the Pacers. You know where it has to come from for the Lakers. And I think that unpredictability is what's going to propel the Pacers to their first taste of what to expect in Indiana over the coming years with guys like Halliburton, with guys like Toppin, who are still really young, with guys like Andrew Nemhart, for example, with Benedict Matherin, for example, even like Jairus, uh, Jairus, uh, Wall, uh, Jairus Walker, yeah, Jairus Walker, pardon me. I, I was thinking, I kept saying Wallace, and I'm like, that doesn't sound right. But Jairus Walker, you're right. He's a rookie, has barely played this year in t- at times. Another really young guy that's going to work his way. You'd expect into the rotation if it's not even if, even if it's not obviously in the final, but as the season goes on and as his career goes along, you'd, you'd expect as a first round pick mm-hmm. out of Houston. So again, Indiana's really young. I think this will be the first taste of winning that the Indiana Pacers are going to taste or going to have. And I believe technically it was the first thing they've ever won in the NBA because they never won a championship in Indiana. So it'll be their first taste of quote-unquote championship. And I'll be honest, it's more to come. It's just a taste of what's going to come with guys like Tyrese Halliburton in Indiana. So I got the Pacers. You got the Lakers. 
And I want to oh. end with this, Cage. Go ahead. Well, well, I said I did have the Lakers. I'm just hoping I pull a Drake. Well, you're two for two. I'm 0 for four. So right now, you'd think I got the jinx. We'll see if you end up having the jinx in the final, if I can go one for four. But pick the ultimate winner. So you know what? It all works. It all works. But I, w- I want to end with this. So we've talked about last episode, literally on Monday. So earlier this week, yeah. about Bronny James and him expecting to be back at like the end of the month into January. That is apparently become a lie already. Because he is expected to make his collegiate debut on Sunday when the USC Trojans. Should I quickly look for the team name? I do know the name of the team they're playing. I'm trying to make sure I don't mess it up against the Long against Long Beach State on Sunday. The Trojans take on Long Beach State this Sunday, and he is expected to make to make an appearance, but he'll obviously be under a, under a minutes restriction. So we don't know how much Bronny James is going to play. And it sounds like he's going to come off the bench, Will the freshman, but he will get his first taste of college basketball. And there's one major thing I want to mention there with that cage. So Bronny James expected, and I'll say is going to make his collegiate debut on Sunday. The NBA has a day off on Sunday. It's the day after the in tournament, the in-season tournament final. So the entire league's got the day off. So LeBron doesn't miss any games for the Lakers. And he gets to see his son play his first game. You couldn't have wrote it any better. For LeBron, for the Lakers, and even for Bronny. Not having all that circus around him his dad skipping a Lakers game. Because you know that would add more pressure to it. You know that would create a bigger whirlpool if LeBron did skip a Lakers game to go see his son play his first game. Which, you know, most dads would, but most dads aren't LeBron James. Most most dads don't have God knows how many Instagram followers and Twitter followers and or X followers, whatever the hell you want to call it. Whatever, you know, whatever social media you want to pick. No, no, nobody, nobody, nobody really has a dad with that popular, that recognizable like Bronny James does. So I think that's the perfect situation for both Bronny, the Lakers and LeBron. He's going to make his debut on Sunday with everyone having the day off in the NBA. Maybe the best case scenario. You couldn't have drawn it up better. Could you cage? Couldn't drawn it up better. Couldn't have drawn it up any better Spence. And just happy that he's back. Just happy that he's back. I know he's going to play under like a minutes restriction off the bench. But to see him play basketball after what had happened over the offseason when he suffered cardiac arrest. Because when that first happened, we both thought, I'm like, is basketball even an option for him? Should basketball even be an option for him? Not only has he recovered, but is going to make his debut for USC and is on the path to recovery and is playing competitive basketball at a D at, at a D1 stage. Yeah, we're happy for the kid. Yeah, I know the circus is about to be is going to be around LeBron attending his son's game. Nah, this is about Bronny. And to celebrate him coming from he's come a long way. And it's to celebrate that. Because Spence, I got to say this life's short. I'm sure you can't. Yeah, yeah. 
take a lot of things for granted. And this could have gone so much worse for Bronny. So to, so to see him on a basketball court, if it is on Sunday against Long Beach State, man, it's, it's, a, it's a blessing. It's a blessing. And I can't wait to see him rocking it out for the Trojans and balling out and just balling and just playing the game that he loves. The game that's in his blood, if you will. Again, USC take on Long Beach State, the 49ers. Ironically, it's my favorite football team is the San Francisco 49ers. So adding more teams with that name in the California area. Obviously, Long Beach are from Long Beach, California. But the game is at USC in in Los Angeles. So it is technically a home game for USC, which I think will add to it. It's a 4 p.m. game. So it's a midday game on Sunday. So I expect a lot of eyes are going to be on the game. And again, it's just expected. LeBroni may not even play, but he, he was dressed in USC's most recent game. He didn't play, obviously, but he dressed. He was in warm-ups, you know, to kind of ramp up, you'd say. But it sounds like he's going to make his appearance on Sunday. That's the expectation. So we'll see if he does make an appearance in Sunday's game against Long Beach State at home. And if he does... Slash when he does make his debut for USC, it's going to be a massive moment, not only for LeBron, obviously, not only for the school with all the popularity he'll bring, but also, as you mentioned, Kate, for Ronnie James, being able to come back from cardiac arrest, being able to come back from what could have been a career-ending injury or career-ending event to now being back on the floor, back doing what he enjoys, and... Joining a team that is gonna should be really good will be a pretty good team. I'm not sure what the, the ceiling is for the Trojans this year with Isaiah Collier, the number one recruit in the nation. Bronny James, who was the 20th recruit in the, in the same class as Collier. Uh, Boogie Ellis, who's really good. You know, I don't know what the cap is for this team, but the Trojans are going to be a good team. They're going to be in contention for the Pac-12 championship in its last year of, of being the Pac-12 before all the teams split off as a chance at, at the tournament. I'm not saying they're going to win the NCAA tournament because, again, no one picks the right winner at the NCAA tournament March Madness. But USC is going to be a good team, and they're only going to get better with Bronny James being on the floor. And mm-hmm. again, Cage, as you mentioned, we cannot say we cannot state how amazing it is that he will be back on the floor. If it's not Sunday, when he is, it'll be amazing when he's back on the floor. And even even then, it's not even it wasn't even a career injury. It could have been life ending. Heck, like he had to be resuscitated. It could have ended his life. But yet he's but yet we might see him on the court, if not Sunday, then very soon. And that is a blessing in itself. All eyes on Bronny James, the USC Trojans, on Sunday, December 10th, when Long Beach State make their way to Los Angeles. But from Ontario, here in Canada, that'll be good here for us. For Cajun Theroux, Thinny, Castellum, I'm Spencer Byers. Thank you so much for tuning in to another edition of Polar Opposites here on the Outrage Inc.